Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. Uh, I have a message for you this morning. Uh, we've, we've been in a series called uh, God's End Time Strategy. We've been camping out here for the last few weeks, given that we are in a you know, worldwide health crisis and other things going on, I, I feel like people's interest in Bible prophecy has spiked lately. And I felt like it was important to just speak to this issue. And um, a lot of questions are surrounding this, but um, God's end time strategy. He doesn't just have a when and where, you know, he's returning. Um, when and where? He's returning everywhere at once. Okay. He not only has um, signs that he's coming back, he has a strategy for you and for me to keep us on fire for Jesus, to keep us effective in this world, and to shine the love of Jesus um, through you, okay? We've been camping out mostly in Matthew 24 and 25, those portions of scripture. Um, And I believe that Matthew 24 and 25 highlight God's strategy to shine the light and the love of Jesus through you to this world. Listen, being ready for the return of Jesus is, looks like shining the love of Jesus everywhere you go. That's what being ready for the return of Jesus looks like, in my opinion. Okay, so we focused, we're, we focused on, or we will have focused on all three of the parables in Matthew 25 after today. But we start off with the parable of the ten virgins. And then we talked about the parable of the talents or bags of gold. And then today we're going to talk about the parable of the sheep and the goats. I believe that these three parables are in a sequential order for a reason. That it is God's strategy for us to remain on fire for him, to remain effective, and to change the world. Okay? So real, I'm going to do real quick uh, recap, and then we'll get into the new content here. Uh, number one, parable of the ten virgins. This is all about cultivating an intimate relationship with the Lord. Okay? The oil of intimacy. Everything we do and everything we are flows from a personal relationship with the Lord. Everything we do flows from our, not our second-hand knowledge of Jesus, but our first-hand knowledge of Jesus. We talked about how intimacy is not a transferable, the oil of intimacy is not a transferable anointing. That's one you have to cultivate yourself. It is first-hand knowledge of the Lord. And I believe that the Lord put this, he mentioned this one first because it needs to be first. You know, when the, when the, the disciples asked uh, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? He said this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. He put the first for a reason, because everything we do flows from that relationship with God, okay? Everything we do flows from that relationship and an intimate relationship with him. Everything we do in the Christian life should flow from that. We don't want to get the cart before the horse, right? We want to be... Um, We don't want to be doers first. We want to be knowers first. We want to know who he is and flow from that, okay? The second parable we talked about was the parable of the talents. And this is all about out of love and reverence for the Lord, we steward the things entrusted to us, okay? Now, when we steward the things entrusted to us, this will lend itself to the parable we're about to get into. When we, when we properly steward the, the small things that God puts in our hands, he, he multiplies those for his kingdom and glory, okay? If we squander those things, he's not able to bring multiplication to his kingdom. But essentially, he's saying, when you steward the things entrusted to you, your, your giftings, your talents, your, your money, your, your stuff, and when you do that well, you actually have something of substance to 
help other people, okay? Because we're going to get into the sheep and the goats here in just a minute. So I believe that one is second in the order for a reason. How many know if you have, um, if you don't have anything to help anyone, you can't help anyone. But if you steward what God has given you well, you manage it well, there's enough for other people, okay? So the last one we're getting to, parable of the sheep and goats. I'm going to read um, the whole parable in its entirety, and then we'll, we'll talk on it, Okay. So Matthew 25, 31 through 46. Again, all of this is in context. All of these parables were in context to the disciples' question. When Jesus said, these buildings, you see the temple here? Not one stone will be left upon another. Everyone will be thrown down. The disciples asked the question, Lord, when, when will these things happen? What is the sign of your, of your return, of your second coming, and of the end of the age? They asked him three questions. And Jesus tells a bunch of parables um, to answer their question. This is all in context to the, the uh, end times and the return of Jesus to this world, okay? Uh, Matthew 25, 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. uh, Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Okay, there's a lot there, and there's a lot of implications. The implications here are pretty serious, right? He's talking about um, Jesus sitting on his, his throne of judgment, and he is judging people one from another based upon how they treated the poor and the needy of this earth. earth. Okay, so I want to quickly just highlight, there's three ways that people have interpreted this parable. I just want to highlight each of them real quickly. I think they all hold water, but we're going to focus on one of them mostly. Okay, Um, the major difference of how people have interpreted this parable is who are the least of these? Who's he talking about when he said the least of these? Um, he said, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So who is Jesus identifying with as the least of these? Um, number, interpretation number one, some have taught, and I believe this holds some value and some water, that um, Jesus is referring to the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. 
Okay, so he's talking about my brothers and sisters. So he would be dividing the sheep nations from the goat nations based upon how they treated Jesus' brothers and sisters, the Jewish people. Now, I think that interpretation holds water. We as a church, um, we, we highly value and believe in supporting uh, the Jewish people and the nation of Israel for reasons I don't have time to get in here today, but we, we do highly um, value Israel and the nation of Israel. Um, so that's the first interpretation people have, have taken with this portion of scripture. The second one, second interpretation, is that Jesus was referring to the treatment of his followers, of Christians, people who were following Jesus. Um, this interpretation certainly holds water as well. Matthew twelve fifty, Jesus said this, whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother, okay? Jesus is saying, hey, you're my family if you're following me by doing the will of the father, okay? And so this interpretation certainly holds water. First John chapter three, verses 16 through 18, it says this, uh, John says this, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need and has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us love with word, uh, let us love not, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. Okay? So that's interpretation number two. He's referring to his followers. These are my brothers and sisters. That, That interpretation certainly holds water. The last interpretation is that Jesus is talking about anybody and everybody who is hungry, thirsty, stranger, needing clothes, sick, or in prison, okay? And I think this interpretation also holds water. Let me read you, I want to read you a few scriptures highlighting God's heart for the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, those who need clothes, those who are sick, those who are incarcerated, okay? Let me read a few uh, scriptures just to, just to show you God's heart. These are actually from the Old Testament and Leviticus. I mean, Leviticus is like gnarly, you know? <laughs> like some of, these, some of those portions of scripture are kind of tough, but you can see God's heart shining through these scriptures, okay? Leviticus 19, verses 9 through 10, it says this, When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Okay? And that agricultural day and age, he's saying... Don't, don't get the edges of your, you know, your wheat harvest. Leave those edges for the poor. Anything that falls on the ground, leave it. It's for the poor. The grapes that fall off the vine or don't go through it a second time to pick through it. Let the poor go through that and pick grapes so that they will have something. He, God has a heart. He cares for the poor of the earth. Uh, also, Leviticus um, chapter 19, 33 through 35 says this. When a foreigner resides among you in the land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner resides among you must be treated as a native born. Love them as yourself. For you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. That's crazy. He's like, Old Testament, even though a foreigner in love them as yourself. That sounds like Jesus, right? That sounds like New Testament Jesus up in here. But that, how many of Jesus and the Father one? That's the heart of God shining through to love your neighbor as yourself. All right? Uh, should I say this? Okay, I will. Um, you know, we live in a city, Greeley, speaking of foreigners, we live in a city that has refugees in it. We have Somalis, 
um, which are primarily Muslim. We have um, Ugandese, I don't know if that's what you call them, people from Uganda, which a lot of them are Christians, Burmese, we have a lot of refugees in this city. And there's like, there's some um, debate over should refugees come to the United States? Should we bring them here? That's a debate I'll let you talk about. For me as a pastor, the question isn't should or shouldn't they be here? Should, is this the way to solve the problem or should we support them in their homeland? I understand that, that conversation. But for me as a pastor, the question isn't should or shouldn't they be here? The question is, are they here? And do you have a person standing in front of you who needs the love of Jesus? I look at it as an opportunity to share the love of Jesus. I'll let the government, whatever, they'll figure out the policies and all that. But the fact is that we have people in this city who are strangers, right? I want to reach them for Jesus. I want them to be supported. There's a vibrant Burmese um, culture of Christians in our city. There's, a, there's vibrant cultures of Christianity in our, in our city. Some are Muslims, and we need, to, we need to reach those people for the love of Jesus. And usually the way you do that is by befriending people. I was a stranger, and you invited me in, okay? So um, understand, there's, there's people that need the love of Jesus. Should they be here? Shouldn't they? You debate that, but they are here. And they're a person worthy of love. They're a person worthy of the gospel. Well, I want Jesus to get everything he paid for, don't you? I want Jesus to get what he paid for, and he paid the price for those people. Amen? Yeah. So I look at it as an opportunity. Uh, okay, one more scripture. Proverbs nineteen seventeen. it says this. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done, okay? There are many, many more scriptures that highlight God's heart for the poor, for the fatherless, for the widow, for the incarcerated, for the sick. So who is Jesus referring to in this parable? I'll tie it all together. I think they all hold water. Galatians 6.10, Paul said this. He said, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers, Okay, obviously Jesus identifies with believers who are suffering, but I believe that Jesus also identifies with anyone and everyone who is hungry, thirsty, stranger, needing clothes, sick, in prison. Okay, I, he so I, uh, empathizes and identifies with them. It's like when you give to the poor, it's like giving to Jesus. When you lend to the poor, when you, when you support them, when you care about them, you're literally, minister, it's like ministering to Jesus. We minister to Jesus here in worship. How many love ministering to Jesus in worship? Raising our hands and singing songs. And another way you can minister to Jesus is by caring for the hungry, the naked, the poor, right? The stranger, the sick, okay? <clears throat> All right, let me read the last two verses of this parable again. Matthew 25, 45 through 46. He replied, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous, righteous into eternal life. Notice he calls them righteous. The ones who are going into eternal life are righteous. Now, if you were stuck on a desert island, you're, you're stuck on a desert, or we were all stuck on a desert island. We've never had the Bible, but all we had was the parable of the sheep and goats. We would probably all conclude that the way to get right with God, the way to salvation, the way to be saved, we'd probably all conclude that the way to salvation is by works. If you just had this by itself, you'd be like, how do we get right? Well, I need to feed you know, poor people and clothe people and help people. Now, 
we know that there, we don't preach a righteousness by works. We preach a righteousness by faith, right? By grace. Um, in fact, if this is your first time listening to me preach, you might be thinking, oh, this guy's, they're really into works over at that church, you know? Actually, I'm a grace guy. Like, the grace message is my bread and butter. Like, I feel like that's my message. But we would probably conclude, if we just had this in a vacuum by itself, we would probably con- conclude that this is a gospel of works, okay? So we know that's not true. We know that it's a gospel of grace, by grace through faith that we're saved. It's the most amazing gift you can ever receive. But here's the implication of all this, and, and you can read this in other scriptures, and it's reflected throughout scripture. Here's the implication. If grace has truly transformed our hearts, how can we continue to live in a way where we turn a blind eye to people's needs? If grace has truly transformed you, how can you, how can you continually turn away from people who are in need? Okay? James says, in the book of James, he says, you show me, you show me your um, faith. Uh, he says, I'll show you my faith by my works. Faith without works is dead. He says, if this doesn't transform you to live your life differently and to treat people differently, has grace really impacted your heart, right? It needs to impact us in such a way that love oozes out of us, right? Love oozes out of us. And, um, okay, let me keep going. So, someone might say, I'm a professing Christian, but I don't have love. What I would say is you, you're saying you're a sheep, but you look like a goat, <laughs> right? I'm a professing Christian. I know Jesus, but I don't have no love. You're, you're saying you're a sheep, but you look like a hard-headed goat, right? Um, now, <laughs> You guys have heard the saying, um, the goat, the greatest of all time. They use that for people. Who's the, who's the greatest of all time? Basketball player or this sport or that sport. They're the goat. Listen, don't be the goat. Be a sheep. Okay? Don't be the greatest of all time. Be the sheep. Be a servant of all like Jesus was. He is our example. If you want to be great in the kingdom, you have to become like a child, right? You have to become the least, the least of these. Okay? This is an end times teaching, by the way. This is end times, return of Jesus to the world teaching. And this, this is what he gave us. He gave us these parables to teach us how to be ready for his return, how to be ready for the return of Jesus. So many people are like, give me your charts and graphs and the dates and the signs and this and that. He gave us practical, everyday things that we can be doing to be ready for his return, okay? This is one of them, caring for the least of these in this world. You want to be ready for Jesus? Care for the least of these. Okay. I don't have time to fully go into it, but if you want to read uh, 1 Corinthians 3, uh, 10 through 15, it talks about there's Christians who will receive a reward. They're rewarded. Um, we're saved by grace, but there's a reward for our works, essentially. Okay? And then it talks about Christians who they're saved by grace, but they lose their reward because they built their house upon, with the wrong things, and it was bur- their works were burned up. And then I believe, and I think scripture supports this, that there are professing Christians who are not really followers of Jesus. They're like, yeah, I'll, I'll take that free gift. I'll get that fire insurance, right? But they're not truly followers of Jesus. Grace needs to so transform our hearts that love oozes out of us everywhere we go. Come on. All right? This isn't a works message. This is a grace message. Grace transforms your heart. All right. I'll kind of land the plane here. To conclude, I want to do this. We're going to jump back to Matthew 24. 
Jesus' disciples, again, they asked the question, and I didn't really answer these questions fully. I think the first one answered fully. When will these things happen? Well, we know when that happened. When he was talking about the destruction of the temple that happened in 70 AD, and you can read other references of that in scripture. When will these things happen? What is the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And he did, Jesus did talk about some signs of the times. He did mention some wars and rumors of wars and these things that technically have been happening for 2,000 years. But if you really want to know you're close, I think it's when all those things start happening at once, okay? But I want to share with you the number one sign, uh, in my opinion, the number one sign of Jesus' return is imminent. You want to know what that is? The number one sign, okay? We're going to read it. Matthew 24, 12 through 14. He says this, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. That's also a sign, by the way. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And here it is, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. In my opinion, the number one sign of the return of Jesus to this world is that the gospel of the kingdom is preached in all the world. More than, more than you know, signs in the heavens and the earth below and wars and rumors of wars, that is the gospel preached in the four corners of the world. Now, do you want to know how to hasten the day of the Lord? Do you want to know how to hurry the day? Second uh, Peter three twelve talks about, Paul says, we look to the day of the Lord and hasten its coming and hurry its speed it's coming, right? How do you do that? I think, I think you do that by Matthew, the scripture we just read, Matthew 24. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world, and then the end will come. You want to hurry the return of Jesus? Preach the gospel in all the world. Amen? Come on. I think that's the number one sign. So preach the gospel, or send missionaries if you can't go, and reach your neighbors, and reach the people around you. Now, <clears throat> I feel like I'm going really fast. Maybe too much coffee. I don't know. I'm going to take a drink. Is that cool? Is that cool with you? I do believe that the gospel of the doctrine of salvation has been preached in much of the world. Maybe not the whole world, but much of the world has been reached with the gospel of the doctrine of salvation. However, I don't believe that this is the only part why? Because Jesus said the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world, and then the end will come. Okay? The gospel of the doctrine of salvation has reached most of the world. Not the whole world, most of the world. But I don't believe the gospel of the kingdom has fully manifest in this world and has been preached all over the world yet. Okay, what do I mean by that? What is the gospel of the kingdom? More than just, hey, Jesus loves you, pray this prayer, put your faith and trust in him. That, that's good. How many know that you can, you can feed people, clothe people, you can help people and make their lives better, but if you never give them the gospel, you've helped this life, but you haven't helped them in eternity, right? So they need the eternal gospel, of course. They need eternal gospel. But the gospel of the kingdom, what is that? Well, I would say this. The gospel of the kingdom isn't just the gospel of the doctrine of salvation. I believe the gospel of the kingdom is signs, wonders, miracles, manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Paul said it himself. He said, I didn't just come with you with wise and eloquent words, but with the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Okay? I believe that's the gospel of the kingdom. But I also believe there's one more side to the gospel of the kingdom. And I believe if you put these things in tandem, it is so powerful. It is amazing. Okay? Um, Evie, let me have you bring that bag up here. 
And let's have Ben come up here. He's going to be my illustration. <clears throat> you can stand right there. All right. The gospel of the doctrine of salvation. So I'm preaching to Ben. I'm like, Ben, Jesus loves you. Do you want to receive him as your Lord and Savior? You do. Okay, that's good. Listen, much of that has been preached in the world, the gospel of the doctrine of salvation. But how many know? Let's see if I can find my stuff here. All right. That's the gospel of the doctrine of salvation. But how many know? If Ben is a stranger and I invite him in and I say, Jesus loves you, I'm demonstrating the kingdom. If he's hungry and I say, Ben, here's some food, I'm demonstrating the God. I'm saying Jesus loves you with something tangible. If he's thirsty, I'm saying here's something tangible. This is the gospel of the kingdom, in my opinion. If he needs clothes, this is the gospel of the kingdom. And I'm saying Jesus loves you with something tangible, right? If he's sick or he's in prison, we go to visit him, pray for him, right? Minister, we look after him. That's the gospel. In my opinion, that is the gospel of the kingdom. It's just not, it's not just the gospel of the doctrine of salvation. Okay? Thank you, Ben. You can keep all that. Except the water. Give me the... No, you can. Yeah, it's fine. Take another drink. Okay. Now let me ask you a question. Which of those two, the gospel of the doctrine of salvation or the gospel of the kingdom, which one is going to be more effective in reaching people? You can answer. The, the, doctrine, the, the gospel of the kingdom, okay? I believe this is part of God's end time strategy, not just to keep us on fire for him and loving him, but to have something to make us effective that the gospel would go around the world and people would be receptive to the church. Listen, the church should be attractive. Jesus is coming for a pure, spotless, hot bride. Like she's looking good, right? We need to be looking good. How do we look good? By what I just did here with Ben, right? By clothing people, by feeding people. That makes the bride of Christ very attractive, and how many know you, if you want to join a family that's caring for one another like this, meeting one another's needs like this, right? That's the kind of family you want to join, not a dysfunctional family that's like, good luck with that need over there, right? Okay, so God's end time strategy. Here it is. I'm going to go through them real quick. One thing, number one, cultivate intimacy with the Lord Jesus. This is the parable of the ten virgins. This is so important. This is number one. First things first, get this one first. The parable of ten virgins, cultivate intimacy with Jesus. Number two, steward what is entrusted to you. What has God put in your hand? What are the things, the relationships, the money, the things you own, your time, your energy, your talents, what are the things entrusted to you? Steward those things in such a way that it brings increase to the king and that you would have more for number three, not just a preaching of the gospel, but a demonstration of the gospel a demonstration of the kingdom, and that's the parable of the sheep and goats. The disciples asked Jesus for a sign, and he did speak to some of that. He did speak to a sign, sign of the times, but I believe more than that, Jesus gave them a strategy, a strategy to be ready and a strategy to re reach the world. Amen? God has a strategy to keep you in love with him, to keep you effective, and to change the world through you. Amen.
Um, I have my friend Elijah up here, and I asked him if I could if I could talk about this for a minute. But um, Elijah, who's one of the, literally one of the hardest workers I know, he's a hardworking man. Um, he, he was homeless for a time when he was when he, he was a young man. He was homeless on the streets. And he grew up working. He grew up like working hard. So he knew hard work. It's not like he was lazy, okay? He grew up working his whole life. He's on, he found himself on the streets, found himself in a situation where he couldn't get off the streets. And he wasn't limited by lack of a work ethic. He literally didn't know how to pay bills. He didn't know how to look for jobs. He didn't know how to, you know, find an apartment. He didn't, he didn't know any of that. And, and Sometimes, even in a country where we have so many opportunities, sometimes we say, oh, if you can work hard, you can, you can make anything happen here, which is true, except for you also need a little bit of knowledge. You need a little help sometimes. There was a couple that came around him and mentored him, when he's a young man, mentored him and helped him to get off the streets, got, got him an apartment, showed him how to pay bills, showed him how to find a job, showed him how to, you know, those kind of things. I say that to say, we, we should be, as a people, looking for these, oppor- as we have opportunity, let us love all people. Let us, especially those who belong to the household, the family of believers, okay? And so I just want to pray over you guys. I, I, I think what Jesus said here in Matthew 25 is, it's a sobering portion of scripture, right? It really just says like, you know, put your money your time, your energy, where your mouth is. And as a church, we try to provide opportunities for, for us to reach our city, to reach the poor, to, to send missionaries, you know, overseas. Um, and we're going to, we'll be talking about that more and more in the days to come, and we're going to have more opportunities rising up. So just be ready for that. Remember this message. But um, also, I just want to encourage you in your own life. Our goal isn't to get people in the building and have good meetings, like, I love meetings. I love what we do here. We come together as a family. But our goal really is to build you up. You would encounter Jesus and that you would go back out into the world and shine the light and love of Jesus everywhere you go and be led by the Holy Spirit from your heart. Amen? Yeah. So I'm going to pray for you, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll close here. Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, for... I thank you, Jesus, for everyone here. I thank you, Jesus, for everyone watching online, Lord. God, that you want a bright, shining bride of Christ, Lord. And I pray, Lord Jesus, for everyone here that we would see ourselves as that bride, God, and we would see ourselves as the solution, God, to what you want to do in this world, Lord. And so I just pray grace over every individual that you would strike our hearts with love. You would strike our hearts with compassion, Lord, and that we wouldn't turn a blind eye, Lord God. I just pray for risk takers in this room. We take a risk by praying for people. We would take a risk by giving to people or giving words, Lord God. Just let us love, not in uh, words, but in, uh, but in actions, Lord God. Let us love in actions, Lord God. And so I pray that, Lord God, over your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Well, before we, before we close, I want to just take a moment for anyone online, anyone in this room, um, that you have never received the free gift of salvation. I mentioned works here, but it starts with receiving the free gift of salvation that Jesus offers. Then he comes into your heart and changes you from the inside out. Grace transforms your heart so that you live 
the Christian life. It is impossible to live the Christian life without the transformation of Jesus in your heart and, and by the Holy Spirit. And so if you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life or into your heart, um, I want to just give you an opportunity for that um, before we dismiss. Listen, God loves you. And he knew that we were lost and separated from him. This is why Father God sent Jesus to this earth. Jesus came, Jesus died on the cross and paid the penalty for your sin, for my sin, and for the sins of the world. When we place our faith and trust in Jesus, he gives us a gift. The gift we can never earn, the gift we can never deserve is the gift of salvation, the gift of a right and restored relationship with the Father. That makes sense to you and you want to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior today, I want to pray for you. If you're in this room, um, um, just I'm going to ask you to do something kind of bold, and that is right where you're sitting, I'm not going to bring it up front, but just stretch your hand up right where you're at and say, yeah, that's me. I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. How many here would say that's me? Awesome. If you're watching online, this is for you too. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'd like everyone to repeat this prayer after me if you would. It's a prayer of dedication. It's not in the eloquence of the words I'm about to say, but the cry of the heart that God sees. Everyone repeat this after me. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Thank you for coming to this world. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for taking my sins upon yourself. Today I place my faith and trust in you. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my God. From this day forward. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on. Come on. Awesome. Well, if you're here and you pray that prayer for the first time, invite Christ in your life. Um, we're so glad and honored that you did that. Um, tell someone you prayed that prayer. Tell someone you invited Jesus in your life. If you're watching, same thing. Also, if you would do something for us, we don't have connect cards here in the seats, but we, online you can go to citylights.church. We have a connect card. If you would just click on that and fill that out to completion, let us know that you made that decision this morning. We want to follow up with you with some next steps in this relationship that you've begun. Um, if you do that, that would be amazing. Um, last thing, reminder, next week, Father's Day, we're going to be outside. We're going to come and spread out and bring your um, blankets or chairs and your own shade, okay? So it might be hot out there, but we, wanna, we want everyone to get together and have an awesome Father's Day celebration and have the whole family. So we love you guys. Thank you for coming to church, and we'll see you guys next week. God bless. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support, and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church, where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.